everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. TRB live. We are live right now. See? Look. That's my hand. That, my whole that hand. doesn't prove it's life. Well, it proves <laughs> I'm not Luke Skywalker because I have a real hand. Um, what's going on, everybody? We are here to talk about Andor, episode nine. Nobody's listening, which we hope isn't the case for this episode. We hope everybody's listening. Um, but either way, whether you are or not, uh, for those of you joining us live, thank you for being in the chat. We are going to have a great time, as always, talking about the latest live-action entry in Star Wars. I'm John. That's James. That's Lacey. Um, welcome to the Resistance broadcast. If it's your first time, welcome to the Resistance base. Who gave you the code? Don't give it to Deirdre, please. Please do not. <laughs> please do not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're talking about Episode 9, written uh, directed by Toby Haynes, written by Bo Williman. Uh a dark episode without a doubt but a lot to get into and unpack so we're going to get after it right away here but uh before we do that we just want to say if you don't mind if you're on social media sharing our post to your followers and friends uh liking the video making sure you're subscribed to the channel of course uh and also if you're listening uh on our audio podcast app make sure you're subscribed there and rate us as well and we also have uh for the folks joining us live we have super chats if you'd like your comment zoomed up to the top and read on the show, shown on screen, and have us discuss it. Those are available, and we appreciate your support. And uh, real quick, I just want to say thank you to our supporters on Patreon. We recently, uh, about a few weeks ago, launched our next phase of our Patreon. Uh, so if you head over there to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast, there's uh, several tiers to choose from, starting at $5 per month. Um, we put a lot of work into it. There's extra content on there as a thank you for your support. And if you look at the tiers... There's different um, benefits for each tier as you go up the ranks. But any and all support is greatly appreciated. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing and expand upon what we do when we reach certain goals. Because uh, we do work hard to do this, and we really appreciate any and all support. But all that aside, if you just are here to sit back, relax, and enjoy, you're in the right place. The live chat is also there if you want to chime in. Uh, James Lacey, what's going on? James, I feel like you, uh, your background's a, a more purpley than normal today uh are, is, it a, is it is it a prince theme or what's going on today no for a while now i've just had instead of blue i've made it pink and purple nice right on which it was always blue it. and you always called it purple oh well about that well little did i know uh and then Lacey's rocking the blue <laughs> we got grogu bb8 akbar's up per there use. yeah per use rocking a star wars shirt um mm-hmm. I'm, rock- I'm rocking an old school trb shirt the old logo um it but looks cool faded i know it just it's a, yeah i didn't buy it this way at uh banana republic it just yeah. faded that way um all right so let's get into talking about this episode a lot to do uh we'll start it off as we always do by warming things up and going over our ratings of the episode so uh james we're gonna start with you this week what did you rate chapter nine nobody's listening uh i gave it an eight um, partially because it has the same title as one of my favorite Lincoln Park songs. Just kidding. Um, now, I uh, I like this episode. Um, I know that it was dark, but I actually legitimately found myself being like, oh, you know, at certain points in the show, like getting excited, getting hyped up, um, especially the ending, right? Um, yeah. So I think like uh, I, I think eight still isn't like the highest I've rated uh, certain episodes, but it's still up there for me. 
Right on. Um, Lacey, how about you? Uh, so I'm going to get some flack tonight, I feel, but that's okay. I'm going to go for it. I gave this episode a six. <laughs> I, um, if you haven't already, you can watch my initial reaction like very early this morning. Uh, it was a rough one. I looked rough. It was just a rough all around. Um, that being said, I, there are so many things to love about this series. This episode wasn't one of them for me. I feel like it was, like James said, super dark, uh, very stressful for me. Uh, there are very, like a lot of like triggering moments that were just made me super uncomfortable. Um, and before people jump to the, the comment of, well, Lacey, that's how the show is supposed to be. Oh, well, Lacey, that's what Tony Gilroy wants. Well, Lacey, like, I get it. <laughs> I understand that the show is supposed to be that tone. Like that's, that's the vibe. Uh, I'm just not enjoying it. <laughs> It's not it's not my jam. But that being said, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I feel like I would have enjoyed this episode more if I got to watch it with two other episodes. Like if I got to watch this episode with the overall arc of what's happening, like Tony Gilroy had said in mm. his episode, I feel like I would feel very differently than I do right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, we've heard people bring that up before about, you know, should they have released them in those little clusters like that? Mm -hmm. And what would that have done? And there's also, you know, purpose for that in terms of why they stretch this stuff out to keep it in the zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it in terms of like pop uh, popular topics. And they're trying to drive up um, social media discussion and all that. And uh, so, but uh i gave this i'm right in between you guys i gave this episode a seven i think these past two episodes i've noticed a lot of people like really being like this is just getting better and better but for some reason these past two episodes for me have been my lowest like i've been in the eights and the in some of the previous episodes i think last week i gave it a 6.5 and this week i'm going up to a seven with the rising tension and escalation that's happening in the episode and i just think for me it's only mainly because there's just so much despair in these episodes. Um, I know it's intended and I'm sure there's going to be a payoff for that, but like it has me thinking of like Stefan on SNL. It's like, if you like star Wars, I have the star Wars for you. We have a full on (laughs) torture scene. We euthanize an old man. It's the best. (laughs) And it's just like, all right, that's cool. But I, the ending James, you, you sort of teased that like the ending for me, it's like, you know, like the usual suspects or something like when you get like a power pop ending to a movie and it just takes it. The from ending like this was perfect. It was a perfect ending. The ending the took yeah. the ending almost gave us a full point grade for me, like the way they just uh, concluded. And you by hearing um, Kino say, like without even blinking, there's never more than yep. 12 makes you know that he's been paying attention. He's and been he's my not- favorite weird like because he wasn't very nice last episode but he's become one of my top favorite characters in this series it's it's clear that this whole like and what did i say i said last week something's gonna happen so he can't go and then he's gonna change his mind yeah Yeah, yeah, this whole this whole he's the company guy thing like Mm -hmm, i'm mm -hmm. just gonna do be a boy scout and get my sentence thing is clearly not the case internally with him because you don't don't give that role to andy circus if it's not gonna have a big turn Right, and he he didn't. And they want know that because they've been so, they've been yeah. running advertisements with him, not just like 
here's right. the one poster for today's episode, but like they cut out a scene, a clip and aired it and everything like they, yeah. they were like, yeah, Andy Circus is a big surprise get for last week. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, that it's pretty cool that he is now playing two different star Wars characters. And <laughs> I, aside from cameos where we've seen people be like a stormtrooper in this and a stormtrooper that I, I don't know that I could think of somebody other than Silas, Carson, I think his name is who Sam Whitwer. Who, but but that's again a cameo thing. Like these are Snoke and this guy mm. are substantial roles. True. So I'm just thinking Sam Whitwer. I mean, favorite. Sam Whitwer is like he's Darth he's Maul. Star killer. He's Star Killer. Like voices. Yeah, I I think I mean uh, that's on screen performance. Um, but uh, I mean it's pretty cool that he's back. I, I like anything any circus does, even his little small New York accented role in The Prestige. I love so it's really cool <laughs> to see in him. Um, so, all right. So our total now, uh, for our Diego's is a seven. Obviously if you do the math, six, seven, eight, seven is in the middle. There we go. There's his wonderful face. Uh, and now we also, we checked in with our resistance officers on Patreon to see what they scored this and they averaged out to an 8.1, I believe. Yeah. 8.1. Nice. There they are. So you see like a little bit of the ninth one there. Uh, so seven for us, eight for them. And we have a couple of comments we're going to get to here, really showing the scale of maybe the um, how people feel about uh, the episode. First off, we have Jason O'Donnell over in Australia. Hi, Jason. I don't know if you're awake right now. I don't know what time I it love is there. Jason. He is a fabulous office, not to like put him on the spot. Oh, I think Jason, he's just fabulous in general. We don't get the I know, but he has a fabulous office with like exposed brick and plants yes. and stuff. I was yeah. very nice. Great brick. Jason's like, why are you talking about my office? Sorry, Jason. <laughs> why, why are you talking about my exposed brick? <laughs> but Jason said, nine Diegos. Never more than 12 was the perfect character turn. Yes. Yes. Uh, the interrogation expected a droid got the darkest version of the Empire ever. Wow. What a gift this show is. Thanks, Jason, uh, for that comment. Appreciate that very much. Uh, and then we had Kyle Baker. What's up, Kyle? Kyle yeah. said... While I very well may have just not enjoyed it as much because I was tired while viewing this morning and will definitely give it another watch, I have to be honest and give this one a 5.5. Uh, so, Lacey, you can't <laughs> I thought it was last. the lowest. Uh, he <laughs> said, I think this one just made me a little frustrated with the three episode arc format. I don't feel like this one moved the needle far enough, and I feel like. Um, this one in the previous episode could have definitely been condensed into one. I think the arc structure could actually be effective in, in some cases, but other times it feels like it can drag a bit due to the episode lengths. So I don't feel like each section needs to be its own arc. Uh, thank you, Kyle. And thank you everybody who left a comment. We try to uh, mix it up and get everybody in here during these seasons. So uh, those are our ratings. And now we are going to talk about it. But first, I just want to check in, Lacey. Uh, I believe we have a super chat. We do, and I also have a couple other comments, but I will read the Super Chat first. So Seed, thank you so much for the Super Chat, said, This episode was so uncomfortably intense and an impactful sad low point in the various characters' journeys throughout imprisonment in each various form. Heart TRB. Mm. Heart you too, Thanks, Seed. I <clears throat> completely agree. <laughs> it was a total low point. Uh, a couple other comments. We have Gary, 24 fan, who said, I gave today a 7.5. I really had nothing against it. I did enjoy but was horrified by how brutal the Empire really is. And last but not least, I have the Bob Roberts Society Band. <laughs> I was going to rate it a 7, but Deidre tortured me into giving it an 8. <laughs> 
She's a tough one. That's no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about this uh, first. And we'll kick off our main discussion by talking about a favorite moment or a favorite shot in this show. Um, so I am going to start with James on this one. No, you, I, I don't want to go first because I, uh, I want to bounce off you guys. All right. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, My favorite moment, I think, was at the end with Andy Serkis, which I feel like you guys are going to talk about. So I'm going to let John talk about it. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I have a favorite shot. My favorite shot was uh, Mon Mothma after she finishes talking to Vel, uh, who is her cousin. I said this morning she was her sister. I just watched it and put all the pieces together. Uh, She leaves and the camera does this really slow pull out to show you the whole set that she's standing in and just like it was so up close and intimate when her and Vel were speaking that when she leaves you get that feeling again that she's in this vast kind of life that she doesn't want to be in and she's alone and like she has her head down and it's just like a really beautiful set with all like the different hard edges and it's very stark and white and it like it's a set that in a location that excuse me you would think would be so pretty and she's trapped it's like a gilded cage for mon mothma yeah so i'll actually jump in here because <laughs> i sort of had two in my mind i was gonna let you guys go and play off that but those were my two <laughs> are <laughs> so they really like, yeah so it's like i was like i think my favorite moment is obviously the end because it's just so much of a payoff from watching that character yes on last week's episode but even in this episode they clearly set him up to to where cassian's asking the same question the same question the same question he won't answer it and then when you get to that end and it's like no hesitation he just answers it it is such a it's it's such a setup for get ready. It's all about to go down because now you yeah. have the captain of the ship on your side, ready to go completely yep. convinced. And so, so that's like the best moment. And I think that they played it right to end the episode there. Um, but my favorite shot was the Mon Mothma one, you know, and I was like, gosh, this, that's great. That's beautiful. Uh, totally sets up exactly what's going on. Um, even when her closest family members leave, she, they leave and she's alone, you know? And you know, what's funny. I last weekend at some point, or it was in the end of last week. What, what are days anymore? Really? But, oh, see, that's why I said her sister because she called her cousin, but then Lita says it's her aunt. Yeah. I, so that's why in my reaction, I had said, oh, it's her sister because Lita goes, oh, thanks, Aunt Vel. That could be th- me. I don't know. I don't want to. I forget how. I'm just saying. I've been watching so Game dumb. of Thrones, so I feel like everybody's going to get married anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying my, now I don't feel so dumb for saying aunt. I don't. I don't know, though, what I would call. I mean, I think that's technically a second cousin. But I think when there's an age like that, you probably would just default to calling like family friends like Uncle Barney and Aunt Robin, you know? Yeah. It might just That's be like one of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, my my favorite moment is clearly the end um, with Kino and Cassian and, their, and you know, Melshi. And you sort of see like the, the forming of what the core is going to be for this breakout. Uh, you have the sign language guy. It's almost like Bad Batchy, even Rogue One. You're like you're seeing each person maybe has something that they're good at, and uh, I like 
where what we're seeing with that, but also just that line, you know, never more than 12. I feel like that's a line that can really live on for a long time in star Wars. Um, so, and, and it makes me think of like the, those power moments in those shows or those movies or even real life events, you know, like uh, in a movie like Iron Man, when he, when he's in that cave and he finally has the suit on and then it's just go time or like on a more serious sense, because this show or even I am Iron Man. Yeah. Like the and, way that ends. Yeah. And uh, on a serious sense, because this show really does, um, <laughs> it tries to be as mirror of a metaphor without uh, layers of the, what's going on politically in the real world. You know, like you hear the story about like United 93 and the people like rushing the plane and like, it's go time. It's time to get out of here. It's time to stop this. Like those big hero moments where you don't know what your fate's going to be, but you know, you have to do something right now. Um, so a power, like I, 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 I was, I felt despair throughout almost this entire episode, but that, and, and seeing, you know, the old man getting euthanized and stuff. And he's like, he's not going to feel anything. And he clearly did like that pissed me off and it's supposed to, but I also like star Wars making me feel happy. That's why at the end of last week, I watched return of the Jedi and it's so, it's definitely different seeing Mon Mothman that, in that. Uh, I know it's a different actress, obviously, but knowing like everything else that happened with her backstory, it makes it just interesting seeing Moth- Mon Mothma. That's Mon Mothma, as opposed to, all right, the Mon Mothma scene, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I pump my fist at the end of this episode, so I'm I'm very eager to see what happens with the breakout. We see shades of it in the first trailer. You see Cass- Cassian clearly clearly is going to be smashing some sort of console, which in Star Wars is is language for open door. Um, you, you just blast something and a door opens. It's all. It the- looked like it could have been either the pipe for the bathroom or the pipe that connects yeah. the floor. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then the shot in the trailer also of of them like sprinting down those hallways. So, yeah, everyone goes back to the trailers because they just showed the whole story. Now I wonder. I, I want to start here because I wonder if there's like parallels because you know, in like Ferrex, they do the banging on the pipes and they're trying mm-hmm. to communicate in their own certain ways. Are they going to have that sign language or have another way of like, is he exposing that pipe so that he could bang on it or something? Or, or they're just going to have to find a way to get the word around to these people that you, you I think I they're care. cutting it to cut the power. Oh, that's a power uh, source. Okay. I would guess that that I, panel I is like a power thing. Because I thought it was just like a pipe because it was metal. If it's, uh, if it's water then they would just electrocute themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I so don't know, but... it has to be something that cuts the power, but I all mean, the pipes were in chrome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you're probably right. That's the most. That's the simplest explanation. It, it, technically, it could be anything, because if you break the sure. pipe, then they need to like shut down the floor for maintenance because all the workers are going to die if they get flooded out or something. Yeah. But they seemingly don't care if workers anything. die. Right. Well... That's, which, that's, what a twist that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, though. They need to find ways to get that message across. And, you know, Kino alludes to it. He's like, it takes a week to get the message across to the other side of the building. What do you think? You know, he he brings up almost that game of telephone. Like, what do you think is going on here? They have they're going to have to obviously find a way to get the message across to those prisoners, whether they have a week left in their sentence or 30 years. You're not leaving. So we got to get out of here or we're going to die here. And that's what's going to cause that revolt. And I just, I'm curious how they're going to get that message across. That's why the whole Ferrex thing from earlier in the season made me think of it like that sort of 
um, basic archaic way of communicating like smoke signals or something to, to get the message across because they're, unless they're going to hack in and get access to the communication systems, uh, I'm, I'd rather see them do it in a classic Star Wars clever way, but they don't have R2-D2, so I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Can I cut in here really quick? I have uh, Bearded Toy Guy, what up, said Lacey, the Star Wars electrician. Uh, fun fact, my dad is an electrician, uh, Bill Gill. He is a master electrician. Uh, so I know that, he, ooh, well done, James. Uh, usually <laughs> in some of the houses and stuff he's worked in, they usually have copper pipes, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so... Well done, really. I'm being sarcastic, but you had to like really draw it out there. <laughs> if uh, I said it, you would have been like, oh. <laughs> really dragging this out. Anyway, so um, yeah, so that's why I figured it had to be electrical pipes because when you talk about yeah. water and electric, then they would kill themselves. Like it seems like they're trying to get out, not to end everything. Hmm. Yep. Put the power source right next to the toilet. Well, I think it's just wherever they can route the power. You'd be amazed yeah. where there's power being routed through the walls in my house. You would think that the electrician was, you know, playing a game of Pac-Man. Unless, you, unless you're Palpatine, you have unlimited power. And then you don't need to worry about where it is. God, you really... It, it is weird. Uh, I, will say, I will say in this episode that there were a couple times where I would watch a scene and I would say... I don't know if that scene was necessary. I think the only reason they put that in there was to fill more time, spread out the episode. So I don't necessarily think it was like a pacing thing because I didn't feel like it was slow. But there were a couple times where I thought, I don't know what the point of that, of showing that again, because I already knew that. For instance, they showed that that old man suffering in a lot of different occasions. And I was like, I think you could have just shown this maybe once or twice. Cause they wanted to show you how bad it was getting. Like it wasn't just know, like, a, Hey, my hand hurts. But I also sort of already knew that from the previous episode and, and, and maybe even a little bit of the one before that, when he first arrived. Well, also it shows, I think you need to show um, these people having compassion for each other. And I think that's mm-hmm. what he was a vehicle for because most of these guys are just like doing their job and just want to get through their day and get back to their stupid cots and their stupid feeding tubes um, and not get fried on the toasty floor and seeing them sort of like help him out and want to care for him and not even just to win the day or whatever. uh, I thought was important to show that humanity still existed with these prisoners, even though they felt there wasn't hope for themselves. They still cared about their fellow man. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with that. I, I'm only commenting on like the point that <clears throat> oh I hear you uh, like yeah. it was made like once, and I'm like okay I've got that now, and then they show it a second time and a third time, and mm-hmm. I'm like okay I know yeah. that point you know. The big thing was because everybody was concerned on his table, but mm-hmm. Kino wasn't, so they had to keep showing right. you like hey this guy's getting worse and worse, and Kino still doesn't care until the very end where he's like, look, this guy needs help. He's about to get out. And you see him reflecting or projecting his own worries onto this old man. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, he's not getting out. And Kino's like, wait a second. And then it went into his own internal fear of I'm not getting out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they point. had to show you the progression of Kino because in the beginning, he's like, get back to work. Is there a right. problem here? Get back to work. Yeah. Um, and that's that scene... That was that was tough. That was a tough watch seeing them like euthanize the guy and like seeing he was clearly in pain when they did it, um, which the guy lied and said he wouldn't feel any pain 
and who knows about his diagnosis of him too. I I don't necessarily buy that he was far from saving, too far from saving either. Um, so. I actually think I believe the guy said when he said he had a stroke. I believe him. I think he, as the medic guy, and strokes knows, are canon now, which is interesting. Knows how bad it can get in there, and knows how desperate it is. A time that he's like, look, he probably could have helped him if he really wanted to, but he's saying I'm being compassionate by letting yeah. this happen because yeah, I also, know it's gonna get worse. I'm with that too. Like it, it also it also does sort of seem like if there's a doctor and the doctors make a decision of like what is the best for this patient, like he's he has suffered this stroke and maybe he's worth saving, but he's definitely not going to make it 40 more days. And, and he's not he going to get out of here, it, yeah. And he does make it 40 more days. When he gets out of here, then what? You know, they're going to no, just throw him on the throw him back in or whatever. Or, well, that that's a good point. Yeah, they're just going to throw him back in anyway. Yeah, because he so knows. So he's basically saying, I think even more than, hey, he's going to, what's going to happen after this? He knows that even if I save him, which I, again, think he did have a stroke. But even if I do save him, he's not going to go anywhere and he's just going to get worse again. Yeah. And he's going to get punished for not being able to follow through on his own uh, job. And make his it was life very worse and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it's a tough watch. And then, you know. Not as bad uh, as Bix, though. Yeah, that was tough, too. You know, that's... Um, that you know, was Star the toughest Star Wars scene I've ever in watched. Star Wars, you know, we have... I'm, I'm thinking of three main torture <clears throat> scenes that stick out of my head. You have Leia's in A New Hope. You have Han in Empire and Poe Dameron in The Force Awakens. And we don't see any of the torturing happen. We hear the screams, maybe. We get an illusion. Oh, that thing's going to be torturing them. I get it. It's like, in you know, what's better? Like, in, I think what you made, see as much as Poe's. In Poe, you hear him screaming, and then the door shuts, and then you no, see the you next see him screaming. Him. He holds the thing up, and he goes, ah! "Yeah, but yeah, I, don't, I think there was more. Everything. There was more that happened in that moment because then they flash, and the door all of a sudden shuts, and he's on the other side of the door. Yeah, my point is, we didn't see the full thing, and to me, it's like not showing the shark in Jaws, which you understand what's happening, but you don't need to see everything, which makes it scary because. You use your imagination as to what happened versus like you deep blue see the thing and you have a shark jump out of the water and swallow Samuel Jackson whole. Um, which one's better? That's up to you. I didn't necessarily need to see a whole torture scene, but they went for it. Um, and the, the reasoning I'm seeing from fans is you need to see how brutal the Empire is. I think I know how brutal the Empire is because in the first Star Wars movie, they blew up an entire planet of people. And we didn't need to see all the people die, but we knew that they just killed millions of people. And then you get stories from like a Cara Dune and other people who like talk about losses and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I needed to see that whole scene. That's all I'm going to say. I think I they could have left it at, hey, this is like at the end of the last episode where they shut the door. You're like, oh, no, what's going to happen to her? Like, you know something bad's going to happen. Like with Leia, you knew bad stuff was happening. Han Solo, I think, got it worse than Leia because you hear his screams, whereas Leia, you hear nothing. It's just the door shuts. Yeah. She's been tortured. Right. That's it. Han, you hear more of it from the hallway, which is, I think, more brutal. This one in particular, I think, for me, was very uncomfortable because... First of all, Bix isn't necessarily involved in the rebellion. She's just someone that's trying to make her way through the world and make some money. 
I don't think she's like looking at this like, hey, I'm in the rebellion with everybody else. She's just looking out for herself, which is another example of someone that's getting pulled in no matter what, because the empire's that bad. They're just taking yeah. everybody out. Um, the bigger issue for me with the scene was the description of what they were doing. The description of mm-hmm. them murdering a whole planet and recording it, uh, then <laughs> isolating the sounds of children. Like, it just went to a level that I never thought um, Star Wars would go. And that's with the understanding of I know the Padawan scene happens. That's the first thing everybody jumps to. I get it. But you don't see Anakin killing those kids. And right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The way that it's described, the way that it, just all of it just was super uncomfortable for me. And I think that that's what drove my just bad feeling with this episode the whole day. I just felt like I was like, I didn't really need that. It made me uncomfortable. And next time I watch it, I'll probably skip through it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of what I mean. Like if Tony Gilroy had made Revenge of the Sith, like we're going to see Anakin kill all those kids. Like I absolutely not. You know, to, to so we do have in, a question. Like, Sorry, James, just really quick. Someone asked okay. in the comments, the Empire recorded the sounds of the people they were killing and that's what they were playing. Yes. So the torture was that they went to a planet where this sentient creatures were fighting them and they were hostile, which again, we don't know if they were really hostile or they were just mm-hmm. in the way. The Empire decided, take whatever means necessary and get rid of these people. It's like Avatar. And, right. And they explained that when these creatures were being murdered, they would make this really terrible kind of guttural screaming noise. And it got so bad that the people that were on the planet were tortured themselves to the point that they were hiding in like fetal positions underneath a base, like they were traumatized for life. Yeah. So they realized, wow, this could be another form of, of torture from us recording it because they wanted everybody in the universe to be like, hey, guess what? Look what we did. We'll do it to you. Fall in line. So they took these recordings, isolated the layer of the recording just for children, like of the children creatures, and that's what they're playing to Bix, which is terrible. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, James. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of in the middle of you guys because I agree that it was a it was a crazy explanation of what the sound was. Um, but to me, they didn't show that. They didn't show people going there and torturing those and have like flashes of people like, you know. No, killing them or recording the sounds or anything. They just kind of told you. So it's up to your imagination. So that to me is sort of Jaws. And the other thing, the other part of it too is, I think both of you said they they show this torture, and to me they don't show this torture because they put the headphones on. They show that she starts to have pain, and they go do a close up of her eyes, and then they cut to side note, a very famous shot, the same shot as Leia being tortured, where they follow the door down and then follow the, the officer stepping away. So it's like the, a, a frame for frame remake of how they shut the door and not show Leia's torture. They shut the door and not show Bix's torture. So to me, I chalk it up as that's typical Star Wars. They're telling you they're, they're torturing this person and you clearly start to see it or the, the very beginning of it, but then they don't actually show you anything. That's how I, I think it. they show you a big chunk of what happens to her. Mm-hmm. Like with the first initial reaction, her anxiety and nervousness, them putting the headset on her. And then that long shot of them just on her eyes is just enough to tell you what she's suffering from. Also, I think the whole idea it's of listening to children yeah. dying 
is not necessarily like a, hey, it's up to your interpretation what you think. Like everyone knows that's terrible. I don't think we need to like personally think like, oh, could it be terrible? Is it? It's terrible to the point that in real life, it's reflecting things that have happened in our country in real life with children dying audio. So it's like one of those things that like, maybe that's what I brought into this experience of like, you see things on the news, you hear things in real life, and then you see it reflected in the media that you're going to escape from and like, enjoy. It's not enjoyment for me. I mean, you don't need to tell me. But pretty yeah. close to home when it comes to that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and that's, you know, I, I get where, where people are, are coming from. Like, you know, we want to see this side of the empire so that there's a bigger payoff, you know. And if Rogue One's if, looking and, like a cakewalk right now, Rogue One's looking like a so, so, high five. Like, all right. That's the thing about Rogue One. It's like ro- Rogue One was the dark Star Wars I thought we were getting. I think this is darker and more more earthy because they really sucked out a lot of the things that were still in rogue one that was still dark at the same time like rogue one had a lot of funny parts and i know k2 is a big part of that maybe season two Mm -hmm. becomes funnier because he gets introduced that's my guess but rogue one had aliens it had uh lightsabers it had darth vader it had droids it had the death star like it had it it felt it had an epic space battle uh, it, it felt very Star Wars while still being different. Um, this almost feels like a different genre. So I'm still adjusting to it. But I still think by the end of this, because I do trust Tony Gilroy as a storyteller, it will make Rogue One feel fuller, uh, especially uh, hopefully with Cassian as we go through this journey. Because people talk about this show being a slow burn. I think the slowest burn for this show is Cassian because he still hasn't stolen an episode from me yet. And he should be the main person. Yeah, it's Every building. time I see one of these episodes, I'm talking about someone else being the highlight of the episode. This one was Andy Serkis. So I'm hoping there's that tipping point and maybe the two episode conclusion arc for the season is that moment where maybe those themes that uh, Nicholas Bertel is pumping into the show uh, get the major version of them or something and casting has the hero moment. I'm just not sure because we still meet sort of the dirty shoot you in the spine if I have to with Cassian at the beginning of Rogue One. So I really feel like Cassian's arc happens in Rogue One. And this isn't necessarily him realizing the hero version of himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we, we should expect that. But I still want him to be front and center. And I feel like he's been shortchanged a bit in this series. You know who's killing it? Deidre Miro. Oh, yeah. She went from the girl that I was like, hey, she's actually a very interesting character to, whoa, she is the worst. She commented on that. Yeah, she said that. Yeah, that she was like, I'm not meant to be liked. I'm meant to be hated by the end of the series. She does a great job. She said Tony intentionally wrote her to be a likable character in the first few episodes. So that when she becomes this way, you would... uh, realize that her type of mind her type of thinking or her type of character personality Fascism, is not yeah. yeah good and it's not um, just the men it's the women that are involved as well as her big thing like oftentimes in the other movies we see a lot of men calling the shots and doing these terrible things and she's saying look women were involved too that's a great call mm-hmm. out james i st- i still sort of i i don't know i i think that indoors kind of not getting enough credit in the show because <laughs> i do think this is his story we're follow every one of these everything that's happening is happening because of him 
um, and he is the main focus of everything that's going on. Um, like all the villains are chasing after Cassie and Andor, and he doesn't even necessarily know that, but he's the one who's leading the charge in this um, overthrow of the prison and everything. And it's like mm-hmm. these other characters, you're right, they do get standout moments, but sometimes they do feel a little bit like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but Andor I mean, like, is the Andy guy Serkis that is Andy Serkis. So he, when he shows yeah. up in the scene, everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, look, it's so-and-so, you know what I mean? Just the same as if like Tom Cruise was in a scene or yeah, something, but that's we'd the all be part. really focused on that. That's the part. That's not the actor. Like Kino, that part was huge. And the re- people are talking about his line, not Cassian's, you know, no more than 12. That, that's his line. People are quoting Luthen a lot. People are quoting Mon Mothma a lot. I can't think of a Cassian Andor line that's really stood out to me that much the way we're I talking about these other characters. I think he's going to come characters. in the next I few I, episodes. I think he's going to That's what shine. I said. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess I see what you're saying, but to, to me, I'm like... And the show's called Andor. He's the reason that Kino thinks that way now. You know what I mean? He's the person that's that's cultivating those ideas. And that's why the show is called Andor because to me, it's like you're following this character and watching him just raise a rebellion everywhere he goes and and that is uh, cool i'll agree with the prison stuff he hasn't done anything like luthan and mon mothma were already doing all this stuff he didn't create that saul guerrero was doing all this stuff he didn't create that he he and cassian's the one that needs to be sold on the rebellion still He's still in the that han solo mode so i agree but i i think i think that there's a good chance that the the heist would have failed and he came in and saved. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but you said everything that's happening in the show is because of him. I I have to disagree with that. I, I, I think he right now they're showing him as like the small cog in the wheel. And eventually he's going to become a bigger part. And there's going to be that tipping point in this series, whether it's his mom getting killed or whatever it is. Cause they always Disney star Wars. They like killing moms. I don't know what it is. They, that's what they do. Bambi, you go back to the 1930s, they're killing moms. But at least there has to be, parent. there's going to be a tipping point where Cassian goes all in on the rebellion. We haven't seen it yet. Do you guys think it's going to be this season or you think it's going to be at some point in the four years that we get in the next season? What, what do we, what? I, to I, get I don't know. I'm still the odds that I think like the, the place that he's in right now is what, him, we're, what we're going to see. Yeah, him buying into the rebellion. As opposed I to think being, he's already in. Uh, I don't. I think Melshi already was kind of like the fact that we saw Kino talking about how he was like, quiet down, stop. And then, you know, Andor was like, they're not listening. Nobody's listening, which obviously is a great tie- callback to Rogue One when he's like, is anybody listening? And Jin Urso says, I do. I do think they're listening. Um, I, I do think he's part of the rebellion, but I get what you're saying, John, that like, the question is, is he completely in it or is he in it like, hey, get me out of here? Yeah, and I'm beating up with people. Yeah. I think you're both right. I think like the first arc um, was him not really being part of the rebellion because he was being uh, kind of selfish at the beginning. And then he was sort of pushed into doing the thing. And he's like, fine, I'll do it for the money or whatever. But then now that he's in this, I don't really think he's in the rebellion yet, but he's, he's definitely in the mindset that he's not in it for himself anymore. He's in it because all of us 
he sees the the benefit of going right. the extra mile to to rescue everybody in this facility because he can't do it himself together then we can get out of that and i think that's the next step and so john i think you're right he's not quite in it yet but i think the as the show is progressing you're seeing andor become yeah. more and more, and more to that point and you're asking when is it i would imagine it's the end of the season maybe that's the whole um thing with the um the uh motto what's it not motto uh, the manifesto manifesto yeah maybe yeah. that's where it ends and then that's a little bit more like he's i agree whatever but i think it could still end where he is where he's not totally bought in yet but we're gonna I don't see know. season two we're gonna see uh general draven uh and you know at the beginning of rogue one when they're interrogating Jin and going over her crimes cassian is standing shoulder to shoulder with them and mon mothma so he's gonna get tight with mon mothma in this series probably season two again so there's going to be that clear moment where he buys in. To me right now, it's like he hates the Empire. That's clear. Uh, like Luke Doesn't Skywalker. Everybody, I think everybody like, does. Like Luke in A New Hope. I, I hate the Empire. Empire. It's just a long way from here. You know, I, I just, I, I want to go fly my planes and join the Academy. Like I, I, I can't fight the Empire. I hate it, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Cassian hates the Empire, but he wants to survive. He, he, that's what his big thing is. I want to survive. I want to get paid. I want to get out of here. It's sort of like a mix between Han and Luke in that mentality. Um, there's got to be that moment, just like Han had, where he like he he fell in love with Luke and Leia, and he's like, I got to go back and help them. And you know whether um, some people's head cannon is Chewie forcing to do it, but either way, Han did it. Hero move. He bought in from then on. Um, and then you know Cassian has to have that moment. Whether it's going to be a big hero moment, I'm not sure. I hope so because. That's why the show is probably called Andor. Uh, we're just waiting for that moment. I do like that we're seeing him experience all these different people in all these different places and different stations in their life. He saw rich people. He saw people in prison. He saw I went to this planet and these people were taken out of their natural habitat uh, on Aldani, very Avatar style. He's, he's witnessing all this. He's not fully connecting the dots yet because he's still selfish and in survival mode. There's going to be that tipping point. I keep pointing to something with his mother because she's clearly she's frail. They're on her case. The, the other shoe is going to fall with that. I just don't know. I, if it's I think gonna it's going to be Bix. You don't you think, think so? if, if Andor I, gets back to Ferrix and sees the state that Bix is in, he's not going to be like, I caused this. Yeah, but I feel like and they, his mom is now under protection of the Empire. You don't think yeah. they're going to either, you know, take I mean, care she of herself. Said so much, she said so much as we're not doing anything with the mother because we think she's bait. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he's going to take the bait and he's going to see her get killed or something like that. Like he already saw his dad hung in the street and that did something to him. And they showed us that for a reason. And also then, in, in rogue one, he makes it clear to Jenner. So that he's been in this fight since he's six years old and he basically has nothing to lose. So yeah. we know that Bix is going to, not be around obviously and his mom's probably going to die and like everyone he knows is probably going to be gone so that all he has left is this rebellion and is to getting his his revenge so to speak on the empire um speaking of revenge Cyril Karn this episode was real creepy although there was a moment that I was like is he going to try to kiss her (laughs) he got super close when he he grabbed her arm and she stopped that shocked me so I was like to me bold that that is a bold move to, yeah, I'm surprised she stopped, though. That was strange to me, but hey. I wasn't surprised she stopped. It made me feel like she had no, she didn't fear civilians. Yeah. 
I just don't know where they're going with the with those two. Those are the two. I'm not sure what the plan is. I feel but. like they're going to end up working together. Although she gave him a promotion. Did they ever say what the promotion was? They didn't. She didn't give it. She said, I didn't give you a promotion. I gave you a clean bill of health. But then I think, yeah, it was assistant so, to the regional manager of the security bureau, I believe was the official title. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but it, it does seem clear that he did get some type of promotion because he also says my boss doesn't seem to think you know that you had something to do with it so so maybe he did uh he was maybe lying to his mom because she says that and he goes off and then he's like he makes it look like he's sort of like i told her that but like what does that mean i guess i i think he's putting all of his luck on he's gonna run into her he's gonna explain to didra he's gonna explain his situation and she's gonna be like yes come and work for us and that's the promotion he's talking about maybe so maybe he didn't actually get one he was just putting it all on the hopes that she would be willing to work with him and then that whole scene happens she walks away and he's like just left there like i have nothing left i can't follow this girl anymore now because she's made it very clear that she's going to send me away if i contact her one more time really i think think he's just pivoting i think he's literally going okay what next what I can I do to keep to get to get back up top? I think he's thinking that, but I, I I would imagine my guess is that more likely she says, I don't need you, and that's where he's left. He's left in the gutter. And then she's gonna realize maybe maybe she does know somebody who has some information on that and she will reach back out to him and he's gonna be like, Yes, yes, I will help you. I'll help you. Oh, thank God. You came back, you contacted me. I, Cause I think he's always looking for something and it, and he keeps getting shut down. I don't think well, he's like making moves. I think he's just begging to, for somebody to help him. Got to Yeah. got to prove mommy wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So while, while we eat a proverbial bowl of cereal, why don't we get to some super chats? So first up we have Wallamega. Thank you so much. Who said you Thanks. forget that the empire blew up Aldron in episode four, which killed billions of people. Well, Omega, I didn't forget that. <laughs> but thank you very much. What if Wall you Omega, like, I wanna, yeah, shoot, Wall Omega. I forgot about that. Wall Omega <laughs> would be a good Star Wars name if it isn't already. Mm-hmm. Is that a Star Wars name? I have no idea. But thank you very much. Appreciate and then we have Paul. Hey, Paul, thanks for the super chat. Said prediction, Vel is not going to survive this season and that is what's going to cause Mon Mothma to fully join the Rebels. She was very like, what are we doing, Vel? And Vel was like, get it together. Like, I thought she was going to slap Mon Mothma. Be like, what She's like, go be, a, go be a spoiled rich girl for a while. Vel's probably like, you know Vel- what? I, maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> Vel was maybe the me and Stint are going to go to Sandals and just have a wonderful two weeks of peace and quiet. <laughs> Not on Scarif, but somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Vel was the one telling Mon Mothma that she was the risky one. Yeah. Because she didn't seem stable. And Mon Mothma is telling Luthen he's the risky one. Everyone's always like everyone's at a different level at this point. They're not sure where they need to be because the rebellion's not. There's no like core. There's no like mm-hmm. this is viable yet. No one's ready to fully buy in because there's no organization. So that's I'm another thing we got to see where out. the the banking situation goes too. Because I don't know who that character is, but Mon Mothma makes it very clear that he's not politically on the same side so they they wouldn't be people seen in public together although they already had that party with um you know people close to 
Palpatine and all that. So I don't know. Yeah. Isn't the banking clan, wasn't the guy, the banking clan oh, guy yeah. from Attack of the Clones was a moon, right? And isn't, isn't the whole theory yeah. that, or at least non-canon theory was that Plagueis was a moon? Uh, what? I mean, yes. The species, yeah. M-U-U-N. Mm-hmm. Moon? Oh, I mean, I, he was, <laughs> yeah, in, in the story, he was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the banking clan, and the banking clan shows up a lot in Clone Wars because they have a lot of like, the <laughs> the banking clan is defaulting on the <laughs> Republic's <laughs> loan and stuff. <laughs> like, And they're clearly doing it because they're siding with the separatists and they're like, we don't side with anybody. And they're like, but there's a reason you're doing that. Right, fine. We have to order more clones now or whatever. <laughs> or, or I think it was, we can't order more clones now because you're halting our access to money. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what his line was in attack of the clones, but that guy looks so CG. I love it. San Hill. <laughs> I think his name was. Yeah, Sand Hill. That's right. That's what, that's amazing. Um, and then they had that other guy next to him. What Tombor? What? Yeah, yeah. What Tombor? Um, yeah. So we didn't. No, we didn't get Sinta on this. I forget where we left off with her. Did she leave? Uh, her and Val were on Ferrix, right? Yeah, and she said she was going to stay for a couple days. Is that not where we left her? We, yeah, Sinta's still there. Though. Since okay. it's there watching Bix, I think, or the mom's place. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she, yeah, maybe she gets involved when, when she was you know, watching all down. of them. She was watching Bix and yeah. she was watching. Um, Bix gave up all the info after that situation. Their, their friend. I can't think of what his name is. Oh, the, the other yeah. Guy. Yeah. Uh, like sack. It's like Brennan or something. I think it's Sack. S A A K. Yeah, the guy. No, they no, said, no. Like, they were hanging oh, him anyway as an example. Are you doing Brasso? Oh, that's the other person. Oh, Brasso. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was there watching uh, Bix and Brasso have a conversation, and she says, "I'm watching them," and then she leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out how Brasso fits into this. Like he almost feels like a character that if he wasn't in the show, it wouldn't have made that big of a difference. He's done a few things. Obviously he's had lines mm-hmm. and context. But where's but it going? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see him like do something or stand Hawk. up or lead a revolt or whatever. His name's Hawk. Yeah. So I, oh, that, I thought it was that just with an S. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that guy's either like, he's either he's dead. Been, He's dead. They like dismembered him or something. The way they explained they, it, they said they were hanging him in front of everybody so everybody could see what he did. He, yeah, the one guy said they he said would what's like left of him hang. or something. Yeah, he said I would like to hang him if possible, and she said that's fine. Like do do as you want, yeah. do as you will. Man, um, which is all right. it's so creepy how into it all these people are. Like the electrocuting yeah. guy when dude, Andor it's like ever seen the movie Hostel? That's kind of what I, it feels no, like. I have not seen any of that. No, nope. that's. That's that's the one thing that I think is is I don't want to say it's wrong, like because like all of these people in the empire, I mean some of them, not not all of them, I guess. Like Cyril Karn, I've obviously like talked about him, but some of these people do just seem evil for the sake of being evil. And I almost wish they would sort of explain that, but I guess they don't have to. But that's in all places of power. There are always people that feed off the power, and especially in fascist regimes, like based on history, people mm-hmm. get crazy and they do crazy, crazy things because they think that they're right, and they get into it. 
they feed off the energy of being in power. With yeah. great power yeah. comes great torture devices, according to the Empire. Oh, don't um, Spider-Man. Let's uh, <laughs> Rowan Spider-Man. Uh, I think Topher Grace did that. Um, let's go to a super chat. What? I'm sorry. What? You think Topher Grace ruined Spider-Man? I mean, that was not a good Venom, if we're going to be honest with each other about it. Eddie Brock, please. Right. <laughs> that. I'm sorry, what? You don't Are like Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. But Spider-Man 3 but was horrible. About, he's talking about Spider-Man 3 and Topher Grace's performance He didn't in the movie. say Spider-Man 3. He said, like, Topher Grace ruined Spider-Man. Hey, that's the only one he was that's in. That's what he's talking about, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking Tobey Maguire in my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you think I'm going that hot take on a Wednesday night? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. literally thought. He's talking about Topher Grace who played Eddie Brock Venom in the third movie. I and they understand you said Topher Grace. Face yes, I know exactly Topher who that Grace's is. In, in my head, I was picturing Tobey Maguire. So I'm like, excuse me, how dare you? And you were like, what and I was like, what you just said is really messed up. Spider-Man 3 was too grounded, dark, and gritty for my taste. Topher Grace is from Darien. Was Topher Grace? He went to high school with my cousin. Than the Venom movies, though. Well, <laughs> Andy Circus directed unlocked. Venom too, so now we could circle back. We were back on Andor. Andy Circus, <laughs> great actor. I'm not even kidding. I fully thought you said hey, Tobey Maguire. I was surprised by how you know, affected you, you were, were by that statement. I was like, <laughs> I thought you said Tobey Maguire. So I was like, is everything a hot Topher take Grace now? Grace. I can't talk about Topher Grace's <laughs> Venom in 20, uh, 20, the year of our Lord, 2022. <laughs> what? Home, home economics star. And he played the same kid as freaking that 70s show, just with a different haircut. Yeah. He's praying to God to kill Peter Parker. I cannot get over the fact that I fully 100% thought you All meant right. Tobey Maguire. Well, let's, let's let Lacey unwind, even though she has to read these and get to us any yes. super chats we have. <laughs> so we have a couple super chats. Chris, oh my God, hello. Welcome, Chris. Why don't you read this? <laughs> James, Me? John. Oh, James, well. James, go ahead. Uh, finally, a competent imperial... Deidre's monologue before the torture gave me the same vibe as the opening as Inglorious Bastards. Sat on the edge of my seat. Thanks for the in the in depth. departments depth. in depths review. Okay. I'm like departments review. Chris, as we're talking about Spider-Man 3. Thanks, yeah. Chris. <laughs> Chris is living his best life with this show. Andor is everything he ever wanted. Yeah, you know why? Because Chris wants us to like uh, pull an all Donnie and like smuggle Pop Tarts over <laughs> in Belgium. Like Drake's All right, coffee John, coffee. now you do this one. Uh, Thomas, dude, what's happening, man? Good to, good to see you, man. He said, I don't get why people are reading Cyril's obsession with Deidre as being romantic or sexually motivated. It seems much more duty ambition related. I think you're probably right there, Thomas. I'm just, I'm just joking. Yeah. It was just yeah. really awkward. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I, Okay, I'm a little bit of both. I don't think it's romantically or sexually motivated, but I think that somebody watching the scene can get some sort of really awkward vibe and you don't know what it means. And so maybe you're starting to think like, is it romantically motivated? Like, is he they being like turned on by 
the idea of getting this guy or something James, weird. Like so you have to make up things in your mind to explain how. If these two were is. to get involved, James, you know what I'm talking about. It'd be like that that scene in the boys where the two people just oh, beat yeah, the hell yeah, out yeah, of each other. Yeah. yeah, that's what that would be like if those two got together. You're you're further along now. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil season anything. Season two, right? You know, people, yeah, season two. Out of three? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's three. All right. <clears> so <throat> what there, there, What other aspects of this episode have we not uncovered? I feel like we talked about most of it because I would like to speculate on the final episode of the arc uh, a bit. Other things we haven't talked about? Anyone in the chat? Did we, did we not bring up anything that's pertinent to uh, discuss about this particular episode? I'm 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 leafing through it. I, there's not a whole lot that we haven't mm. talked about. Um, the only the only scene I think that we really didn't cover very much of is when they're sitting in there in the their cells, and they're having the conversation, and he's looking up at Melshi and he's trying to convince. But I yeah, it's a good yeah. scene. But, but I, that's I, you a, know we've kind of covered the dynamic there anyway. I love that. I do love that. Kino did the classic like when you're done talking to your significant other in bed and you turn around and face the other way and do that sort of like half fetal position. I'm going to sleep move. He's like, I don't want to, I'm done talking to you. He puts his plate back into the wall and just goes, shuts his light off. He's like, I've had enough. Good night. I was um, muted. I said, he does the turn while looking like he's looking at the, at, at and or while he's yeah. still. Yeah. yeah and is this not the most trb thing possible for us to take the darkest episode of andor and just get the giggles throughout this whole time talking about other things it's um, just but... that i i 100% in my brain was going how dare he mock toby mcguire <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was about to get into an argument <laughs> with you Oh man, I, I was like, you. We can't even say that now. Topher Grace's role in Great Gatsby was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, all right, so what's what's going on next week? We're obviously closing out with Toby Haynes and Bo Williman uh, before we get to Tony Gilroy's eleven and twelve finale, sort of, so to speak. I think so it's a breakout. We're doing the breakout. Um, so we that's obvious. So what else do we think is happening? Do do we think the breakout happens early? Hope I hope so, so that we can see what the ramifications of that are to springboard us with each character into those last two episodes. So I still have this theory that they're gonna figure out Andor is in prison, and they're gonna go to the prison only to find out that he just broke out. Like by oh, the time they perfect. figure it out. He the had, old... he's gone again. Yeah, you had like, said that last week, James. No, that was a good yeah. call. It seems it seems like it would lead that way. And if that's, not, I, mean, I don't understand. It's the cat the, and mouse thing. Know. Yeah, that's the Millennium Falcon being attached to the Super Star Destroyer while they're looking for the Millennium Falcon in Empire. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> that that's good. I like that. Um, and it also shows the ineptitude of the Empire, which is a thing they keep talking about. And Cassian's almost the narrator of that when he's like, they're not listening. They don't care. And it's just like, yeah, they're they feel like they're too big to fail. You know what I'm saying? But um, because they've and, gone power hungry, they're fat and satisfied. Well, yeah, and they're, they're their own oversight committee. It's like it's like it's like with the mortgage industry in the 2000s. You know, it's like yeah, everyone gets a mortgage. Who cares? We're running the the banks are running the show. So mm-hmm. that's what the empire is. And there's no, it's it's like I don't know if people are wrestling fans out there, but like when and Lacey, you work there. 
when WCW went away, WWE was like, we have no competition. We do whatever we want. Now they do. It doesn't matter. They sort of do. Yeah. But it's that sort of thing with the empire. And Cassian sort of our narrator to let us know, you know, what the real deal is. Um, I think with anything you just get to, when you get too confident and you don't pay attention to the things that are happening around you, someone's either going to pass you or mess up what's going on. The last thing I have to add about the prison thing, because it is about next week. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, when there's panic, like you think of pe- people running through the streets and stuff, you know, 9-11, like dark stuff, there's chaos and people are trampling on other people. And um, You don't see that yet anyway with these prisoners where they're like beating each other up like like hardcore prisons are in, in the real world. Are are they like sedating them a little bit or something with this food or something? Or are these guys all just like like nice to each other? I've, I think the don't... floor is that painful that if they mess up at all, they get shocked. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good and point. And they said, yeah. you're, well, we're showing you this at level blank. We're not even going to show you at stage three, you know? Why would they care if prisoners fight each other? Because they need to get stuff done. Yeah, I guess. Vampires. So. Yeah, 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 the labor part of it is it. You're right. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the other thing, too, is like I'm not entirely positive that anybody in this room is actually a criminal, like a, a murderer, you know? So, yeah, you it kind seems of like they're just the it, body. Oh, yeah. yeah falsely they, imprisoned. Yeah. If they're all falsely imprisoned, then they're like they're all on the same page of like, <clears> dude, <throat> this is messed up. Like, I got nothing against you. You got nothing against me. But if you are falsely imprisoned and you're put in a prison where you where you're surrounded by people who are bad people and have you know bad mental ability or whatever you know i don't i don't want to speak on all that because they were separating everybody and they were separating people on certain ships so they could have put what james is suggesting all the people that they know didn't really do anything on a ship for to go to the labor thing to go to the labor prison but the terrifying thought of not only do you get miss like get the wrong crime that you didn't even do, like I'm a tourist, like that's a nightmare internationally. If you were ever, yeah, right. I, I if think... you were to travel internationally, but then you get there, and then you have your days, you spend your days like Kino, and then you find out, wait, I'm not getting out. They're just going to shove me on a different yeah, floor. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah. and then, and the other thing too is like, I think when you're thinking of when someone thinks of a prison show, they think of the characters that are in the prison and they show them in their downtime. They show them like out in the workyard or in the cafeteria and stuff like that. We haven't gotten anything like that. The only time they ever let these guys do anything is apparently like a bathroom break that he's allowed to walk away for a minute, but they go right to their cells and they go right to work. And that's all they do. There's never, there's, there hasn't been a cafeteria scene. And the toilet doesn't even have a door. It's just around a corner. So they don't have to watch you, but it's open. Yeah, I don't feel like they're giving these people, if they were bad people, I don't even think they're giving them the chance for there to be a ruckus. They just work them 24-7 and say, and the if moment- you ever <laughs> stop, you, you get fried. So, And the moment if there was a ruckus, they killed the whole floor. Yeah. And apparently, you know, we're you know speculating on next week. I'm not sure how in-depth they're going to go with any more of these prisoners or whatever, but I don't know how this caught my eye, but apparently Andor has... The first season alone has 200 named cast members and over 6,000 extras. Wow. That's insanity. Yeah, that's nuts. Compare that to Obi-Wan. Man, 
I really I do I do wish Obi Wan had this this the production that this show had though. But I still loved it. But um, all right. Um, so any, mm-hmm. so any other anything else happening next week? Are we getting uh, a conclusion to Cassian's mother next week? Or are they going to drag that out through the finale? Uh, any other? Uh, are we going to get more Luthen? He was absent this episode. Where uh, mm-hmm. more of the rebellion? Any any last thoughts on next week beyond the breakout? And do you guys think, think the breakout's be- happening at the beginning or at the end? I think it's mostly going to be the breakout is going to be the focus I, of the episode. I would think that's the focus of the episode, yeah. Okay. Okay. And as far as the rest of the season goes, I, there's th- there's still that awkward lingering thread about his sister. I don't know what uh, why tell us all that if that's part of it unless it's it was just supposed to lead up to stop chasing your sister if she's dead and that was supposed right. to be Right. We like still have to Oh my gosh, yes. The beginning of that the whole too. series. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's part of it or that or it was meant to be something that he's chasing and then that was just supposed to be like a, a line that is supposed to shut him down, like your sister's dead, stop chasing her. And then that's that's the end of that story. Yeah. But But why would um, they start the whole episode off with him looking for his sister? I guess he needed something to get him in the place to kill the gu- the guards, but yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. There's also there's another thing out there that I think is kind of spoilery if you're looking at the trailers, so I don't really want to say it here. Um it 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 looks to me like a a bad guy is actually a good guy <laughs> if you watch the trailers. So I don't want to give anything away, but Well, it's in the trailers. You're let's, just speculating. Let's not. Yeah, I mean it, you're right. It's in the trailer, but I think it's kind of one of those things where like it was in an early trailer. And now that I'm looking at it and I know that character, it didn't just like fly over my head. I'm looking right. at the trailer again and I'm going, that doesn't look like that person is being a bad guy. <laughs> that looks like All that right. person's being a good guy. <laughs> so we'll see. No fun. Um, or let us Andrew and or spoilers chat on our Patreon. True. Um, all right, let's get to uh, our last super chat and then we can um, give our closing thoughts. Yeah, so our last super chat right now currently is Cal. Cal B, thank you so much. He said, glad okay. I made it to the live stream tonight. We're so glad you made it too. Thanks, uh, as always, for you three. I'm confident we're in for a stellar final three episodes to close out the season. Absolutely. Next week is... James, are you doing the re- reaction next week? John. John is doing the reaction next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like our reactions are going to be crazy. I'm going to be playing Thin Lizzy the entire reaction video. Good. Wait, what? <laughs> the song Thin by Thin Lizzy? I have no idea what you're talking Tonight about. Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak. Everyone knows that song. I've never heard of that song in my life. You, know. you probably have. You heard yeah, it. you have. Yeah. I've never heard that song. Yeah, you have. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> it was written by uh, Toby Maguire. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, being with us live tonight, or if you showed up late, it's going to be on the channel for you to rewatch. And of course, all potty- patio. Patio. <laughs> all podcast audio apps tomorrow morning. Uh, so you can listen there on your way to work or whatever. Uh, but make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you subscribe to your preferred audio app. We did pass 350 ratings on Spotify, which is a big deal. Um, it blew us away that we reached that number. I think we're in the 360s now. So if you haven't yet and you have Spotify, if you don't mind just hopping over to us on your phone and rating us five stars, let's try to get to 400. That'd be pretty cool if we do that before New Year's. Um, but uh, 
Uh, make sure you're also going to Star Wars Newsnet for all of your Star Wars news. Uh, we mentioned our Patreon before. If, if you would like to support us at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Um, and we do want to give a special shout out to our generals and spice runners on Patreon. First, our generals, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Paul Sullivan, and Val Trichkoff, and our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, and Michael Fry, and a bunch of those people I know for a fact were in the chat tonight. So thank you all for your, all of your support and all of our patrons and all of our listeners and everyone who's in trb no matter how you support us thank you for being a part of what we got going on here i always feel better uh whether i love an episode or not love an episode after we have these chats and that's a big part of the people involved in the uh chats so i came in to this episode after having the worst day (laughs) as a star wars fan and even now i'm laughing about it (laughs) because this was a lot of fun i'm glad well Lacey, where can people find you on social media to laugh with you more (laughs) <laughs> people can send me toby mcguire gifts at Lacey giller and on twitter uh and write comments about toby mcguire on my instagram at lacing your next post on instagram should just be a photo of toby mcguire with a zero caption and or it's just write to for grace just write toe no, for grace and put I'm a picture to. of toby mcguire it's, i will or oh yeah or i was gonna say a picture Flip of it. like spider-man but it's and clearly like it's toby mcguire but then just like face swap so it's <laughs> yeah um all right uh james how about you buddy um you can find me on twitter and instagram both at myra trunks all right johnny hoey for me and uh star wars <clears throat> Newsnet and my movie pod just like the movies um we did x-men and we're doing terminator 2 coming out tuesday uh, but next wednesday we'll be live again talking about that episode 10 of andor but don't forget you also have trb uh full episode where we're going dis- to discuss the news of star wars coming up on monday so uh, a lot of trb and of course exclusive content on patreon as always including uh we have a, a rants and rumors video that i did coming up soon that's i think pretty funny hope you enjoy it but we'll John see always you thinks he's funny someone has to someone has to Jeez, louise this guy's getting the shocked laughter get out of here all right anyway we'll see you guys next time we hope you have a wonderful evening a wonderful week whatever it may be and we'll see you next time right here on the resistance broadcast see you around kids bye